Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Mark Blunden and this is The Leader. The Conservative mayoral hopeful Daniel Korski has dropped out of the race to become Tory mayor of London after a claim that he groped a television producer at Downing Street. Daisy Goodwin alleged in newspaper articles published in The Times and Daily Mail that she was touched inappropriately by Korski 10 years ago. Now in a statement, Korski says he's withdrawn from the race but categorically denies the allegations made against him. Following his announcement, Conservative officials said the contest to be the party's pick in next year's mayoral election would proceed with just the two other shortlisted candidates, Moz Hossein KC and Susan Hall. But Samuel Kasumu, a former mayoral hopeful who failed to make the Conservative long list, was among those urging CCHQ to reopen the contest. Let's find out the latest in the fallout of the Korski allegation and what this means for the remaining Conservative hoping to fight Labour's incumbent Sadiq Khan, who himself is seeking a third term. We're joined by the Evening Standard City Hall editor, Ross Lydell. Ross, what's the background to the allegation against Korski? Well, this revolves around an incident that happened 10 years ago in Downing Street, where Daisy Goodwin, who was then a TV producer, she's probably better known now as a novelist and as the sort of creative force behind Victoria, the sort of drama documentary. She met with Daniel Korski in Downing Street. At the time, Daniel Korski was a SPAD, or special advisor to David Cameron, who was the Prime Minister at the time. And she tells in an article in The Times a couple of days ago how basically she was made to wait for an hour before then having the meeting with Mr Korski. And at the end of the meeting, she alleges that he touched her breast on the way out. And she first mentioned this issue about seven years ago, but without naming Dan Korski. However, in the article in the Times, and she also did a piece in the Daily Mail this week, she chose to name him. And the reason she named him was because he was running to be the Tory candidate for Mayor of London. How come it's emerged again now? Daisy Goodwin is quite clear about the reason for coming forward now and essentially naming Daniel Korski. Uh, She said it was because he 
was running for the Tory candidacy to become mayor of London. So basically, as soon as she became aware he'd put his hat into the ring, she decided it was time to essentially name him as her alleged attacker, I guess you could say. You know, I guess it's some form of sexual assault. So that's why she decided to actually put his name in the public domain in relation to this alleged incident. You were reporting at the last hustings where Korski walked out. What happened? So this was on Monday night at the Conservative Environment Network, which is a sort of think tank just down in London Bridge. And there have been about a dozen or so hustings that have taken place already. Uh, The Tory mayoral race sort of got underway a couple of weeks ago. However, basically only the very first one uh, were press invited to. So this was the the second occasion that we're actually able to go along and watch the three candidates as it was on Monday night answer questions. So I'd gone along with the Evening Standard photographer. There were one or two other journalists there as well. And what happened was maybe about an hour into the proceedings, Daniel Korski then suddenly sort of made a sort of gesture to the chairman say, I'm terribly sorry, this will be my last answer. I do need to leave. I've got somewhere else to be. Was there any immediate indication as to why? At the time, we didn't know why that was. It only sort of transpired about 20 minutes later that the story from Daisy Goodwin had broken in the Times and therefore he probably wanted to be well out of the way of sort of any public place and certainly any journalists. So the suggestion is that he was probably alerted by a member of his campaign staff in the audience, sort of made a rather fast or hasty exit. And uh, luckily for me, we managed to catch this event on camera. But that was the last we saw of Daniel Korski that day. He did reappear at a hustings on Tuesday night to try and sort of put a brave face on the state of his campaign. But the way things tend to work in political circles is that once a bit of momentum gets behind a story, then there's only going to be one resolution. And indeed that happened. And on Wednesday afternoon, early evening, he decided to withdraw from the race. Let's go to the ads coming up. How Mayor Sadiq Khan's feeling about the last two remaining shortlisted Conservatives. Why not hit rate and follow in the meantime? Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. Ross, how does Dan Korski withdrawing from the race change things for the remaining two shortlisted hopefuls, Susan Hall and Moz Hossein? I think it's fair to say that Susan was probably already in first place. She is the best known of the three candidates by quite some distance. She's been a councillor for 17 years and she is also a London Assembly member. She's been the leader of the GLA Tory group for a number of years as well. So she's pretty well known amongst activists and party members, and that's the key electorate at this stage. There's about 20,000 London Tory members who essentially will decide who their candidate is going to be, and many of them will have heard of Susan Hall. Far, far fewer will have heard of Moz Hussain, certainly 
before he stood. He was a criminal barrister rather than a politician. He makes a virtue of not being a professional politician. But essentially, Susan believed, even while Dan Korski was still in the race, that she was a front runner. She said she had got more grassroots support than anybody else. Dan Korski said he had a number of high-profile backers, many MPs, but many of those were actually for constituencies outside London, and therefore their vote wouldn't have counted anyway. So it certainly strengthens her case. How will Sadiq Khan be feeling about facing either Hall or Hossein at the ballot box? I think Sadiq Khan will be probably turning cartwheels at the thoughts of facing either Susan Hall or Moz Hussain. I think with Susan Hall, he would know exactly what he gets. He comes up against her on a monthly basis at City Hall. Susan Hall has uh, many virtues and may well appeal to many Conservative voters in London, uh, but I think Sadiq Khan would feel that he would be able to get the better of her. Although, to be fair to Susan, her performances sort of on the stump and in the hustings have been far more impressive than she's normally able to do at City Hall. And that is probably because of the nature of City Hall. At City Hall, her duty on the London Assembly is to ask the mayor questions and Sadiq always has essentially the the final say, the last word, so can sort of come back at her probably with more gusto than she's able to muster in her question. However, when given a freer speaking role, she's actually proved to be quite an impressive candidate and that's probably part of the reason why she's the front runner. She's been doing really extremely well and far better than some would have predicted with a sort of common sense, no-nonsense approach. As for Moz Hussain, I think there'd be every chance that Sadiq Khan would completely highlight his political inexperience and his lack of knowledge and understanding of how London is governed. Uh, On Moz's side, though, he, of course, is a criminal barrister. He's a king's counsel. So he really likes the idea of being able to cross-examine Sadiq. How come this allegation against Dan Korski appeared to slip through the Tory vetting machine? Well, Dan Korski gave an interview to Talk TV a couple of nights ago when he was asked about this and he revealed he had actually flagged this allegation up to the party. He said that, you know, he was aware of it seven years ago. He wasn't named, although there was a bit of sort of jigsaw identification that went on when his name was linked to the allegation. He denied it. Uh, It was felt, I guess, by the party selection process that it was an unproven allegation and that he was an innocent man and that he'd flagged it. He did the right thing and they decided to proceed. Perhaps that showed a degree of naivety, shall we say, by the party high command. It's always likely with the uh, hurly-burly of politics that these sort of things will get flushed out at some stage and be used against people. You know, not all is uh, fair and above board in the world of politics. So there was a betting process, but the issue now seems to be whether the Tories should look again at their betting process. There was a hint this morning from Neil O'Brien, a government minister, that they may actually look to reconsider how they select candidates. What's next for Daisy Goodwin's complaint with the Cabinet Office? Daisy Goodwin has said that she eventually was able to get through to the Cabinet Office. She compared it to trying to make a complaint to BT when your phone is broken. But she did receive a callback from a Cabinet Office official who told her that the process would now start. So she'd made an official complaint. This, of course, was in relation to Daniel Korski's position. He was working for the government at the time. Whether the Tory party launches a separate investigation, we have to wait and see. But the ball is rolling in terms of that. Of course, the damage is now done. Daisy Goodwin's aim really was essentially to highlight what she believed was an unacceptable practice in the workplace. She's essentially almost become a sort of part of the Me Too 
debate the fact that women for many years have suffered the reality of abuse of power by men. And what next for Dan Korski? How was he when you interviewed him here at the Evening Standard? The bookies are saying that I'm um, the new favourite, uh, but at the end of the day, it's down to the Conservative Party and its He came into the Evening Standard TV studio, we did a lengthy interview. He seemed an exceptionally intelligent individual, lots of ideas, possibly too many ideas. He was the man with the sort of blue sky thinking. His weakness, I think, was that he was essentially a throwback to the Cameron George Osborne era, which was obviously was a time when Tories had considerable success. They formed a government with the Lib Dems. However, it may not be to everybody's taste these days, but I don't think you could deny he's a, a very smart chap. He didn't know as much about the London political scene as Susan Hall, but he had the desire and a degree of charisma and energy to, uh, I think, would have presented a very serious challenge to Sadiq Khan. On paper, at the start of it, he felt to me like possibly the strongest of the three candidates. Obviously, things have sort of turned out rather differently and probably say now that Susan is uh, leading the race now of the remaining two. But I think Dan Koski's departure weakens the strength of the Tory team. However, I think it was absolutely impossible for him to remain and had he sought to continue I think there would have been no chance whatsoever that party members would have chosen him as their candidate while this allegation hung over his head. There's more on this story in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. We're back on Friday at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.